Hey, everybody. Scott Clark, Jeff Rye, Nate Burgess. I'm Kenya Clark. We're here with John O'Brien from Grandpa Ray Outdoors. If you guys want to, go back and listen to episode number 41. That's where we first talked to John the first time he was on the podcast, and we got kind of into his background uh, in the seed business and where he kind of came from and how he started Grandpa Ray Outdoors. So tonight we're going to get into more of just the food plot stuff. So since everybody kind of got to know you on the last one, we'll get into that stuff. But uh, how's everything been, man? It's been a while since we talked to you. Yeah, um, things this time of year tend to be uh, really busy, although Grandpa Ray Outdoors is a 365-day-a-year company. You know, we're always doing something, whether it be planning ahead to the next year, um, purchasing products, you know, almost a year in advance for the, you know, from when we need them, you know, individual plans or even like in-season shipments. You know, we're we're basically shipping seed all year round. And so, um, you know, some people will say, hey, I mean, this is your busy season. And I'm, my answer is generally, it's always busy season with Grand Prairie Outdoors. Right, right. Uh, would you say right now is probably your most busy time or is it the fall or is it kind of both? Well, we're, we're definitely more busy this time of year because, uh, you know, we wear a lot of hats. You know, the, there's some challenges, you know, with shipping. You know, we have our online business with, uh, you know, a lot of daily orders. But then uh, this is when the dealers, you know, starting in February, a lot of the dealers around the United States, you know, are uh, stuck in their shelves. And so um, with today's trucking industry, uh, you're always getting product in. You're always getting product, you know, shipping out. And, you know, it's easy, fairly easy to get product in, but as far as shipping multiple pallets, arranging for trucking companies to show up on a reliable schedule, um, you know, there's just a lot of behind the scenes stuff that the average person maybe is not quite as aware of that uh, leads to a lot of work and some challenges for people that are, you know, this is their career and this is their industry. Yep, no doubt. So, I think the last time we talked to you is probably still seeing some effect from all the COVID stuff. Is that, uh, are we kind of getting past that with the seed industry or is there still some kind of residual effect from all that crap for lack of a better term? Yeah. So that's part of the, I mean, a lot of people think that's, you know, that's part of it, but really the biggest issue in the seed industry is the seed supply chain because of mother nature. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years ago, we had a lot of that 110, 120 degree weather out in Oregon, which is an anomaly. Right. Oregon and Washington, and that's where a, there's a lot of seed being grown out there, uh, along with the Dakotas. And then more recently here in the last year, there's a lot of issues in the, you know, the Southern Hemisphere and the New Zealand area, which there's a lot of brassicas and improved genetic clovers. Mm -hmm. So um, production, you know, was way down, and there's certain items that seed supply uh, had a crunch on just because, um, you know, there's some limited crop with some common uh, uh, products and uh, next to no crop in some cases. And, and you know, Mother Nature, people don't always think about um, where seeds grown and how Mother Nature affects the, you know, that, that, uh, that market from, you know, grower to end user. Yeah, I don't think uh, you're probably right. A lot of guys that are doing food plots think about that. Obviously, it affects, we think about it with agriculture as far as uh, corn and beans go where we're at, for example, that affects all the price and stuff on the weather. But you won't think about it a lot of times for, for your food plot seed, but all that stuff's got to grow somewhere, right? Right. And the one thing is a lot of uh, the food plot seed uh, uh, forages, are, they're not real, for the most part, most of them are not developed and grown for wildlife. They're grown and developed for 
you know, the farming area, the grazing community, and then uh, there's, you know, certain um, genetics that's selected that can cross over. So, um, so you know, wildlife doesn't put a big dent in the supply chain. The farming world does. And when you have mother, you know, nature creeping in, even with, um, you know, things like floods and extreme heat where you have a lot of crop loss, you know, there's a lot of seed getting sucked up, um, you know, from the farm, you know, side of things. Yeah. So getting into the food plot stuff, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, what are some of the, because you guys do a lot of, I don't know if you would call it consulting or not, but helping guys out as far as uh, making decisions on stuff as well, I'd assume. So what are some of the most common questions you get when it comes to guys looking for food plot seed? Is it what to plant, when to plant, all of those things? And how much of that is dependent on, you know, where they're coming to you from, whether that be Michigan or Georgia or somewhere in between? Yeah, so I um, myself get on about, you know, 50 properties a year, and, you know, there's enough demand to get on much more, but because of being a father and um, and then, you know, all my other ventures, um, you know, I can't get on quite as many properties, but I'm actually on 50 properties around the U.S., and I also probably do at least 200 detailed food plot plans every year. Mm-hmm. So on an almost daily basis, I'm telling people what to plant, where to plant, how to plant, you know, how to fertilize, maybe what herbicides to use, uh, you know, um, and other more detailed information. So we're not a seed peddling company. We're not selling bags, even though, you know, the products are actually in a bag we're we're selling added value which is you know my career expertise and um and the research research uh side of things which we generally we say we're america's wildlife research company which you know is highly accurate i mean we do more research than anybody and so that's part of the consulting as well you know we know what we say we you know you know say what we know and you know and um and we know these products as well as um anybody because mm-hmm. of hard work. Yeah, that's a big thing I think uh, we like about you guys, especially is you don't get that aspect of it from just a bag on a Walmart shelf or some of the other big companies. There's not really a face or a guy or a, even a couple handful of guys that you can go talk to from that company that's going to be have that knowledge base, the experience and the level of, you know, research that you guys are doing that you can go talk to. Well, that's a double-edged sword. So, I mean, I hear it every day. You know, people, you know, are so surprised but the attention and the time I give people and the knowledge and information. Um, and yet the downside is, is that, uh, get, you know, keeps me pretty busy. You know, there's mm-hmm. times where I might have 40 to 60 emails a day and a number of phone calls. And so, um, you know, it's not really a complaint. It's just that it sometimes kind of gets to be, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. And yet... Um, we're there. I mean, we do this for a living versus uh, high percentage of the wild companies that sell wildlife seed. Um, they have other jobs. This is like a hobby or a sidelight, and this mm-hmm. is our life, which I don't know. I'm not saying it to brag. I'm just, it's just the reality of it, which is maybe why we have the client base we do because people reach out to us because they know we know they know what, uh, what we're about. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and I've seen a sign of that when we was up there at the Iowa Deer Classic. <clears throat> we had some of your products for sale up there, John, and and uh, there was, I can't remember the individual, but he came up there and he said, Grandpa Ray's, 
And he said, I want every bag of it that you got. So your reputation mm-hmm. precedes you in that area with certain mm-hmm. people, yep. you know. And so, uh, you know, I was really impressed with that, that even though we was up there at Iowa, you know, everybody recognized Grandpa Ray's. And that one guy, he just, he bought us out right there. Mm. And so it was yeah. impressive to me. I, I, you know, it told me more about you and, and what you guys are about. Well, and we've kind of taken a different approach. Most companies are marketing and they're doing a lot of search engine optimization. And, you know, it, it's all about the, you know, the bag and, 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 you know, spending the dollar to, you know, to get people to buy the bag. Mm-hmm. And in some ways we're almost like that company that, you know, the hardcore select few know about, and we have a pretty strong following where our goal has always been treat people well, make sure they have success. They're going to keep coming back, and, right. you know, selling product at a fair price. And, and, um, and that is what we pride ourselves on. Yeah. There's definitely seems to be a lot of loyalty there with the grandpa Ray's brand. And Actually, you said that and it reminded me something. We met your cousin up there at the show, too, or one of your cousins. I assume like the rest of us, you probably have many, but I can't for the <laughs> life of me remember his name, but he was bragging on you, too, so he didn't he didn't say anything bad. Yeah, when, when you didn't <laughs> piss off any family members, evidently. <laughs> well, I mean, my dad had uh, nine other brothers and a sister oh my on my mom's side, so like, I probably got, uh, when you say a cousin, I mean, it could be one of them, <laughs> yeah. or 70. Yeah. You're talking first cousins, and if you're talking seconds and thirds and fourths, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, that's, that's a whole other you know, story, probably. Oh, man. So, uh, yep. You know, I, I can only guess. You know, <laughs> yeah. so. It's cool, though. It is kind of a small world. He just saw that bag of seeds sitting there on our table. He said, oh, hey, you know, John's my cousin, this and that. And we got to talk to him for a little bit. But that's one thing we do enjoy about going to those shows and stuff. And I know you've been to several is getting to meet all the people, not only in the industry, but all the consumers and stuff and kind of build those relationships with them. And then that does help build that brand loyalty that you're talking about. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like it shows we have a different outlook with shows. Most a lot of companies go there with their hopes and dreams of selling a lot of seed. And as you're aware, some of these shows like Iowa, in particular, Wisconsin. I mean, you know, there's maybe 20 vendors that are selling you know seed, and and you might hear, and I've heard this different times, but even this year, it's like, oh, we're selling the same thing as Grand Parades. You know, well, we chuckle, my employee and I, and and that seems to be maybe it's a compliment. I mean, people, companies. Right. They are trying to mimic us, and they're they're telling people that they're selling the same thing. Which, you know, uh, I, you know, there's there's some of the same products in the bag, but you know, they're not selling what I'm selling. Well, I'm mm-hmm. not selling a bag. I'm selling, uh, giving an honest answer and always being there and being available. Where, you know, you want to call me, you're getting the, and you're actually getting a hold of the owner, right? And you're you're actually getting a hold of them during uh, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. daytime hours. Mm-hmm. That's that's something that we talk to a lot of people about, too, not only at the shows, but just in general. Like if we go on a client property or something, when we talk about, you know, the the seed, the difference in the quality of seed that you're going to get, uh, it's not only the quality of the actual seed, but the amount of seed you're going to get per bag. Whereas you go and buy something on the shelf at a box store, uh, if you go and look on the label of that thing, the germination rates just aren't this, aren't there the inert matter is a high percentage that's in the bag. It's just, uh, it's not a lot of pure seed. So uh, we talk to a lot of people about that. Do you, is obviously that's something you guys pride yourself on as well. Yeah. Um, and we, and I, and we educate on that on occasion and we probably should do it more. Um, 
that um, you know there there's different there are different uh, standards for quality, um, and some of it can be geographically. Um, certain areas of the United States, uh, the growing conditions aren't quite the same. Mm-hmm. And, um, and seed testing standards vary from state to state. And so my philosophy is I want to sell the best seed I can get my hands on. And if something is of a quality that I wouldn't want to buy myself, I'm not going to sell it. I mean, not that you're never going to get a lot of seed that might have, you know, 80% or 85% germ, but most seed we're selling is 90, 95, mm-hmm. where there's a lot of 80, 85% germ count seed in the industry. Um, we mainly only sell seed that's coated if it's that's the only way you can get it. Right. You know, not that I'm bashing coated seed, but we're our pride ourselves on, uh, you know, people getting what they pay for, you know, pure mm-hmm. life seed. Um, exceptions the rule being some of our uh, forges like Frosty Bursting, Balanza Fixation Clover where um, it, the seed size is really, really small, kind of like along the lines of maybe switchgrass, where there's it helps with some spreadability, and in some cases they take unique inoculants, and that's another means to get it uh, applied onto the product. So, you know, we're not 100% non-coated, but, you know, we, we prefer selling uh, uncoated seed um, if at all possible. Right. <clears throat> Uh, John, what would you say your most popular blends are? Uh, I believe last time you said Frosty Delight, uh, especially for you guys up uh, much further north than we are. Uh, is that still the case? Um, it's probably changed a little bit. I mean, it depends on if you're, you know, looking at, weight, you know, pounds-wise, because things like Frosty Delight, you have a lower seeding rate, like, you know, 8 to 10 pounds an acre uh, versus something like my grains and greens, which has become my, my biggest seller because your seeding rates are, you know, 20 uh, or 50 pounds an acre. And, and because of the movement towards regenerative food plotting, regenerative egg, um, with a couple of tweaks we made with greens and greens, um, that, that's a mix that's incredible from Florida to Maine to Texas to Idaho. So that's a, a product I could, same as most products. I mean, there's very few products you can't place anywhere in the U.S. because of how we formulate blend and the, the genetics that we're um, incorporating into our blends. So, um, you know, so Frosted Light is a really popular seller, but grains and greens as well as our new newer um, products, you know, called Smart Cover are, um, are by far our biggest volume movers at the present time. So tell us a little bit about that Smart Cover. Smart Cover is a, pro- a name change. Uh, not that we never try to, you know, uh, f- improve or focus on branding, but we it used to be our old soil builder product, and, okay. and we decided to maybe make it a little bit. Um, you know, we tweaked the name a little bit. We changed the formula slightly, increased the seeding rates, which is something that I was noticing. You know, with all of our mixes, I mean, we're always replanting on many different locations. We're always looking at from year to year, considering. Um, is there any tweaks that we need to make? Is there newer, even newer improved genetics we might want to incorporate in these products? So Smart Cover, um, we wanted to make it a total smother crop. I mean, make it like a product that you could leave if you want to leave it all season. We wanted to, um, you know, increase the, you know, the ability to, to naturally suppress weeds even above and beyond what it already was. So, um, you know, we're always evaluating from year to year as far as how can we do better. 
And that's one of my curses. I'm a perfectionist when it comes to food plots. So, like, I'm always thinking, even though it's great, even though it's better than what's out there, what's the next level? Right. And I assume that's a, a year-to-year thing. There's it is the seed industry like a lot of other industries where there's there's always new developments and always new stuff coming out. And then even with that, I'd assume there's probably some stuff that just because it's new doesn't mean it's good. So you're kind of waiting to see what new stuff is worthwhile. Is there that in the seed industry? Like seems like there is in everything else. There's not nearly the, the, the money and the um, demand and you know, versus the early nineties when I got in the seed industry, mm-hmm. there's always stuff in the pipeline, but that what's in the pipeline is way, way you know lower than what it used to be. Um, you know, you know, and for different reasons, you know, there's less farmers that are rotational grazing. There's less, you know, dairy farmers grazing um and um you know and and so um you know the movement is there's still new improved genetics but um you know but you know as as one of the guys that's really respected in the industry he um basically is like you know it's all about making money too i mean it costs a lot of money and it takes a lot of years to get to get you know, product from development to where they start making profit. So, you know, a lot of the, in, in the amount of companies that are, um, you know, own, um, you know, and develop a lot of seed is, is really plunged. I mean, there's only a handful of really big players in the industry. And, you know, if they're trying to develop a lot of products, I mean, that's just a huge amount of investment Mm-hmm. You know, that can take seven to 10 years to get your money back. So, you know, it's kind of twofold why you don't see quite as much new genetics, but, um, but we're always aware of it because sometimes we're a part of that research mm-hmm. and we're always looking to buy, um, something new. Right. And I'd say you'd have to, you kind of have to be that way. Not only maybe to stay ahead of competitors, but again, to know, to have that available for your consumers that are so loyal to you, if they're, if they see something new out there that they want to go try and it is an effective, efficient seed and you don't have it, that may be something where uh, they would go to a different company. I, I would assume. Yeah. Well, that's part of like, there's a, one of the most, you know, the most incredible, uh, Nebraska that we've tested out there for a number of years. Uh, we, we bought it all up. There's none to be had in the U S so like other companies that say they saw what grandpa raised does, uh, you know, it, it's definitely untrue because they, they can't, they can't get it. And, right. um, and, um, and so there, there, you know, there's a, a number of products we sell that we, that either nobody's selling or very few people can, not that there's companies that are not aware of it because people are always following us and, and wanting to, you know, use our research to help with their own lineups, but there's products that either don't fit their price point. Mm-hmm. You know, the wildlife industry sells rape that's only, you know, and we're, we're buying some genetics that's six to eight times the cost of what the industry loves to sell. Right. So when a lot of companies out there, their whole game is making profit, they're not even going to bring on some of these products on their lineup because they're like, yeah, I'm not paying five bucks a pound. I can get stuff for 80 cents a pound. Mm-hmm. You know, the average guy doesn't, the average consumer doesn't know the difference. We're, why would I do that? Right. You know? Yeah. So there is that element and that's, that's the cold, hard truth. I mean, you know, not that I don't want to make any profit, but I want to have happy customers that come back year after year versus a one-time sale and selling mm-hmm. that bag. <clears throat> yep. Uh, 
while you're talking about brassicas there, I know, again, this is another thing that we covered uh, last time a little bit, but what is the the biggest reasons that you see that people have don't have success with their brassica plots? I think last time you mentioned it was part of it had to do with planting time a lot and the maturity of the plant uh, in correlation with the season, the timing of the season. Um, is it is it that? Is it some of the deer having to get used to it? Is it some places the deer just don't like them as much as others? What's been your experience with that? And again, I know we've talked about it before, but just it is it's still a really common question. It seems like. Yeah, so I'm actually I was supposed to have released the book uh, of brassicas around the holidays, and I've had a lot of things that have come up that's delayed that. Mm-hmm. And so there, and so maybe that's the answer. I mean, there's a whole book of answers to that. You know, the book of brassicas, and so. Uh, it's the brassicas are mo- the most um, misunderstood. Um, next to nobody knows how to fertilize them, right? And um, and the genetics, per, for the most part, sold by the wildlife industry is not um, insect res- you know, resistant, disease resistant, uh, higher sugar. Most of what's being sold by industry is not these newer genetics that you've kind of inquired about, you know, last mm-hmm. question ago. Um, so genetics matter. Fertilization, uh, you know, the proper nutrients matter. Um, planting times, I mean, we saw a lot of longer day brassicas that give you more of a longer window. Um, we saw brassicas that tend to be higher in sugar. Um, and um, and also, um, you know, brassicas don't like being wet. So there's a lot of guys planting different brassica blends in the wrong spots. So, for example, that's one of the reasons why we don't just sell pure brassica blends. I mean, we have our fall draw that's also got annual clovers in there. We have our grains and greens that's got different, you know, grains. And and, and so you're not talking pure brassica blends, mm-hmm. you know. And again, the exposure you brought up is, a, is one consideration. Um, and, and that's one thing that, you know, we, we um, when I do my plans that you asked about, um, there's different things that we do to get deer used to it. For example, we have some kale in our inner sanctum, which typically is planted in the spring. Mm-hmm. And we're even, uh, you know, and you won't ever find it. On, you won't find them on, on the website right now. But, you know, we've been experimenting with long day brassicas. Our, our program members have exposure to it. You know, we're debating about releasing a, a blend that's, uh, uh, you know, June planting brassica blend. You know, which again, if it's planted earlier, the deer are getting even earlier exposure to trying it, even though it won't be as the most desirable forage during the summer months, but at least they're getting little bites of it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a little psychological element to it as well. So For sure. Hey, John, uh, uh, I'm intrigued on this book. Uh, you want to elaborate on that a little bit? or? Yeah, like I've written three previous books, and this is the fourth book in the series, and I it's called the Book of Brassicas. And so, um, you know, I, I've been planting brassicas, you know, for 30-some years. And we, you know, like I said, we, we're, you know, we have the you know, by far the biggest library of, uh, of brassica research, uh, everything from uh, yield to, you know, what's actually inside these brassicas, you know, the nutrients, um, you know, which also gives you an insight on, you know, how to manipulate it, how to fertilize it. So, um, we'll be talking about a lot of different varieties and, uh, of brassicas. We'll be talking about like we, you know, when you asked about proper fertilization of, um, of brassicas, 
will be, you know, some of the things, same things we've already, you know, uh, discussed briefly here, mm-hmm. you know, will be covered in the book. And, um, and, you know, and that's the thing that's hard for me, you know, like on social media, everybody wants a canned answer. And, and there's not one answer that's like, how do you get, how do you get deer to Nebraska better? <laughs> right. You know, you know, my answer is there's probably 20 elements of it. And, and, and I understand why it could be a lot for guys, but you know, with anything else, I mean, it's never one thing. I mean, you know, the, there's never one, one reason for failure. Right. So do you have a projected date? And if so, and, and where can a guy pick this book up at and, and your other three as well? Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to end up being, um, you know, late fall or closer to the holidays again. Um, and currently, people can buy my books on, you know, my website. Uh, we sell them either as a bundle or you can buy them individual. And, and mm-hmm. that's where we'll be uh, placing that when the book comes out. You'll be able to find it on my website, which is uh, com. Okay, okay. Yeah, and uh, I'll link all that stuff in the description as well. That way, people can find it. But also, if you want, when that book does come out, for sure, let us know about it, and we, you know, we'll talk, we'll announce it on the podcast, and we'll get it put out there for you as well. Cause anything we can do to help with that, because yeah. I think that will be a, a really good resource for people as well. Because, like you said, in this world that we live in now, of thirty-second snapshot videos and just short answers on on social media. It'd be nice to have a long form place that the, they can find the answers to the questions they might have when it comes to, in this case, specifically brassicas. Yeah, and I hear that a lot from customers that bought my books. They're like, yeah, you know, people admit that they'll go back and reread some of these books or certain topics in there, you know, numerous times. And, you know, I even got in mind what my next book is going to be just because it's one of the other most common you know, discussion, you know, topics on social media and, and, you know, and for me, somebody like me, I mean, I, I, I have a hard time, um, you know, um, responding in you know, front of the masses because, mm-hmm. you know, everybody wants that canned answer. And, you know, I, I, I've dealt with these forges for decades and, you know, some, you know, people might be perceived as like, Hey, this is a guy that know, thinks he knows it all. And, you know, and from my perspective, it's like I really there's very I, I like to think that there's not much I don't know about most of these forges. Just you know, just because this has been my life 24 seven, you know, 365 for mm-hmm. so many years, and so I sometimes have a hard time dialing in these answers to make it as right edited as short as can be. Right. And, you know, and when it gets a little be a little long winded, I mean, I kind of understand it. I mean, I might feel bad, but you know, I, I just try to give people the best answers as I can, and, and hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, you don't want to leave anything out. So <clears throat> you touched on something on Nebraska's about getting the deer used to it. Uh, we planted some of your brassicas on my acreage last fall, and I can't remember what we planted. We planted the Southern Jubilee. Southern Jubilee. Yep. Okay, and so... And we also mix some wheat notes in with it, and it's, it seemed like the deer really, my deer really didn't hit the brassicas that much. They'd eat the wheat notes, but now, I mean, they'd sample it a little bit, but then they'd move on. But now my brassicas are greening up, you know, coming up off the the uh, root system. Should I let them go and 
will that help the deer get used to them and then replant them this fall? I mean, as a consumer, I don't know, and so that's why I'm asking. You know, what what is your advice on that? Yeah, in some areas, uh, when you get farther south, some of these brassicas are not, you know, dying off. Or, um, and again, there's some cases you might have some seeds that, for whatever reason, there's been areas of the U.S. where you had extreme drought and you didn't see full, you know, germination last fall. So, like, if you do see some regrowth of brassicas or, or spring, you know, germination, uh, you know, although in some cases it could be some. You know, you'll see out there maybe some winter rapes and that that are, you know, designed to, you know, regrow. Um, it's just a matter of, like, how, um, you know, how, how much, uh, you know, how dense of regrowth it is. Because in most cases, I mean, I, you know, my philosophy is the, to be always replanting, you know, not leaving bare ground because that's weeds where weeds establish. Mm-hmm. So if you're no-tilling or overseeding, you know, other blends into it, I mean, not that you have to terminate it at all. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, like how much do you leave? Is it really worth leaving it? And, um, you know, and, and again, um, you know, in your case, because you guys are planting a little bit farther south, that's kind of why you're, you're seeing some of that. So, um, you know, with some of this regrowth, I mean, it isn't always the most, you know, nutritious. Mm-hmm. Depends on what brassicas, you know, you're talking about that are regrowing. Um, you know, just because they're more of, they're more of a cool season product typically. And so, um, that's why if you're, you know, if you want brasses that grow during these warm summer months, you know, you, you really need to be looking at, you know, these slower growing longer day brasses that tolerate the heat better because, you know, the deer are going to, it's all about sugar. I mean, you know, the deer, you know, just because something's growing and looks good, you know, but if it's bitter and, and, and maybe that's like something that I, you know, I, you know, that most people don't think about, um, I've been exposed to that my whole life. I mean, my grandpa was always a sampler of clovers or whoever was growing in the field. And he kind of taught me to like how to taste forages, you know, you know, if it, if it tastes bitter to us, it probably tastes bitter to a deer. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, I, I'm always sampling. And, and again, another little trick that most guys won't do is you can actually use a refractometer, you know, for some of those guys that are, you know, uh, um, fermenting wines. I mean, you're aware of what, you know, you know, bricks and sugars and the importance. And, um, you know, so you can actually, you know, measure sugar content in forages growing. And so, you know, deer have a sweet tooth, no matter if you're talking brassicas, clovers, you name it, you know, the, the, it's a strong correlation between if anything's, if one forage is sweeter than another, mm-hmm. they're going to tend to be more desirable. And there's a lot of factors that affect what makes it sweet at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Hey, I don't want to run too much of your time out here uh we're getting close so uh, before we get you out of here you mentioned it a little bit earlier the gro membership can you tell us a little bit about that and tell people how they can get into that if it's still if you guys are still doing that yeah we still do so we do sell it on the website or if people don't have a credit card or you know they can call me Sometimes that shows we, you know, we sign people up, but it's $25 a year for a regular membership. You get a newsletter, you get access to a private Facebook page, you get monthly specials, end of the year specials, dealer return specials, you know, and you know, VIP invites to some special events. And then this year we went to even a silver membership where you get all that plus, you know, a, a special team Jiro hat and a updated guide food plot guidebook. And so on the website, you know, just like I mentioned with, you know, where you can buy the books, you can become a member of either the silver or regular membership on grandparadoutdoors.com. 
Okay, cool. And uh, where can people find Grandpa Ray's Grandpa Ray on social media? And then, of course, their website is GrandpaRayOutdoors.com. But as far as like right. the social sites, where can they find you or Grandpa Ray Outdoors? Yeah, I got a YouTube video, uh, Grandpa Ray Outdoors YouTube video. There's probably 140, 150 videos there. Okay. And um, and then also I'm on Instagram, um, Facebook, um, and Twitter. Okay. You know, on Facebook it's Grandpa Ray Outdoors. All of it's Grandpa Ray Outdoors. So, um, you know, and, and again, um, I'm hoping that you know. In this industry, there's so many people trying to create content, mm-hmm. and you know the content we're going to be showing, uh, which is typical, is you know more of our plantings, more of our research, more of the why versus um, you know what you typically might see out there. So, right. uh, and we also have uh, a page called Extreme Property Makeover. Uh, that's Aaron Bagelke's page where we have done deer schools, and there's a lot of really unique research that. It's cutting edge. Um, so that that's, you know, a element of Grand Prairie Outdoors. It's not a Grand Prairie Outdoors uh, Facebook page, but it's, um, you know, it's my, you know, shipper. And uh, we do, it's more, it's one of my sand grown research properties um, that we host events. And so people could follow that on Facebook as well. Okay, cool. Well, I'll let you get out of here, John. We really appreciate you coming back on. We appreciate the partnership on the podcast and you putting out a good quality seed because, again, that's kind of how we found out about you guys in the first place, just looking for a better seed to use. And literally everything we've planted from Kansas to eastern Kentucky, from northern Illinois, all the way down to almost Tennessee, I mean, it's grown as well as it's been advertised to grow. So, again, just thanks for coming on. Uh, Thanks for working with us, and we're looking forward to keeping that going. Yeah, thanks much for having me on, and hopefully I gave some people food for thought. Yep, for sure. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Yep. Yep. See you, John. Thank you. Okay, so that was John from Grandpa Ray. You need to get out of here? I was going to. (laughs) Oh, well, we was about 30 minutes in, so I was going to see if, you know, we could do a little bit of update here. I thought you might. Well, you need a second? Yeah. Okay. Well, you got to piss? Yeah. Okay, well, go piss. <laughs> That's what I thought you might do was kill everything and then just click, come come back on because I'm sure Fry does too. No, oh, I'm good. Fine. No, you're good. Okay. Well, go ahead. We'll come back. I wanted to kind of do just a little bit of update since everybody's here mm-hmm. on the plots and everything going on, projects that we've talked about in the past, all that kind of good stuff. So I did get, if you saw anybody listening, saw it on YouTube. We got started at the cabin. Uh, you saw it. Yeah. I was going to take you out there and yeah. see it, and you ain't seen it yet. Anyway, I got like a half acre cleared out up there that I need to... i seen your YouTube video. ...do some fertilizing and disking on. Um, but I finally got that project going, so I'll keep that updated as we go. I got to get those videos from you from when you did the mowing on yours. Oh, yeah. So we need to get some video from that, but then we'll update that. But I know you've got some different plans, maybe potentially for this year, you've been kicking around that we haven't talked about on here yet for the Fry property that will, again, we'll cover that in the vlog too, but right. just an update on where everything's at. Got to get the drone in the air. Yeah, we got to yeah, get, get the drone, drone out. in the air. Yep. Um, we got, we've been kind of lax on that. I wish that w- it would you know, take... work gets in the way. It does, yeah. don't yeah. it? And uh, rain. It really ain't that much fun. <laughs> well, I mean, not as much fun as it used to be. <laughs> not as much Apparently fun. Not as, as much fun as what Nate's having at work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is the this is uh Oh, oh. you got to be a farmer to 
to get into that. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, well, before you know. somebody gets in trouble. <laughs> um, we all plow different wow, where was we? <laughs> you were talking about your food plot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the clover's doing great. I mean, it is. Yeah. I mean, it. have you seen it? Have you been out there mm-hmm. to look at it? Yeah. My goodness, it's it's half knee high out there. Mm-hmm. You know, and it looks a lot like that one I sent pictures yes, up from yesterday. Yes. Yesterday, uh, the clover and alfalfa is doing tremendous. Uh, got a few weeds in there. You know, we're going to take care of with mowing mm-hmm. and a little bit of grass, just little clumps here and there in the thin areas. What thin areas there is, right? But you know, I think a lot of that we had that first planting that we did last year mm-hmm. in the spring, and then you reseeded it again that fall and then we reseeded it again mm-hmm. we frost seeded it yeah we did a little bit in the fall which was mostly a good portion of that was chicory because we didn't mix it in in the spring yeah but i haven't seen much chicory. well i wonder if the clover I hasn't grown up so much it, I think it's shaded it it out. out it's probably shaded i really it out. do yeah that seed's probably still there yeah it just hasn't had a chance to get much sunlight on but no so if we, when we go to mow it this summer, we may see some more that come up. We might. I'm, I'm hoping so. But even if not, I mean, it's not like they haven't been using it. Oh, no, they've been using it. Yeah. They've been using it a lot. Yeah. And, uh, I I mean, even where I mow the yard there on that on the uh, wood side edge of it, you know, I can see tracks where the deer's coming out of the woods across the yard going straight to the clover. And, and then you can go out there and you can, Actually, you can track them since it's been so wet. Right. You know, you can go out there and you can see where they're just standing there and just eating the tops out of it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I got clover blooming now. I'll probably wait, let those blooms die before we mow it. That way we reseed yeah, it again. Yeah, that way it it out, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I don't have that tea weed mm-hmm. like the issue we had last summer with yeah, it. Yeah, the nettle that was coming in from the... Yeah, that tea nettle. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have that issue now that I can see. I go out there, when I get off work, I go out there every evening. I don't know, I guess it's a farmer in me or something, but, you know, <laughs> I just go out there every evening and look at it. And You got and, a farmer in you? Yeah, well, <laughs> in my blood. How's okay. that? Just asking. But, I, uh, I may have misunderstood. I, I'm assuming you did. So, <laughs> anyways... uh you know, I'm impressed with the clover. I like I like that plot. It's doing really, really well. Uh, I had the neighbor come. He spread three loads of uh, cow manure on the where I'd mowed down the corn and the mm-hmm. beans. He spread that out. It's dried. Well, it was dried out until tonight. We're getting yeah mild shower. <laughs> I've, heard, uh, I've heard cow manure described as political promises as well. Well, it can be. Mm-hmm. Cow manure is probably more beneficial. I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah. Especially in this instance. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to have Biden and the rest of them out there on my food plots, you know, which it may be better. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the results are yet to be seen. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I kicked around planting Sudan grass along the road for uh, more of a screening. But talking to some guys that's grown that for uh, hay and stuff, they say that it grows up real nice and big in the summer months. But then once the frost and stuff does, comes, and that well, then it falls down flat. Yeah. 
I th- I'd always heard that. That's an annual as well, is it not? No, they said it will reseed oh, itself. Oh, will yeah. okay. it said it'll come back every It doesn't year. like the cold. It just don't like the cold. Uh, get yeah. down. It doesn't have the, the uh, stalk to support mm-hmm. itself of that. Yeah, like the switchgrass does. Right. Yeah, doesn't and, stay up all year. Right. And so uh, I'll probably just go back to planting corn along the roadside. Was that like three Peter jokes we made? No, I don't know. In the last five minutes. I'm trying to ignore all of it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm going to go back to planting uh, corn for the screening, naturally. Yeah. And then uh, I'm going to plant, I'm going to mix some Milo and beans in with it, too. I want to break that up. I'm... Yeah, that'll be different this year with adding the Milo into it. Yeah, and the Milo, not so much just for a food source for them because they will find it and figure it out and eat it right but also milo stands up better during the winter mm-hmm. and so it, i think it'll provide even more screening yeah. and make them feel more secure yeah because if you ever hunted even in a cut milo field about all you can see is their head sticking mm-hmm. out you they know? feel yeah. good about it don't they, they do yeah they do they well you shot that one yeah we like never found her all the reason we found her is because i stepped on her yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a fact yeah i mean seriously I and mean, it was cut it was cut milo man i'm thinking about doing some of that at the cabin because again like we well, i think we we're talking about off air but like with them figuring out the brassicas like we talked with john about i think they're at the cabin they will be more apt to figure out the the milo even sooner because of the lack of food there mm-hmm. but then it's also going to provide i think i'll do it on kind of the south part of that plot you know, provide some screening and a little extra room for them to even bed in part of it. Yeah. And I'll still be able to slip in there around them, but just a little bit. And again, that's something that you can plant if you don't have the room. And I've talked about, I think I talked about it on a full draw Friday, maybe. But if you don't have the room to plant like corn or beans, especially if you have the browse pressure, Milo's a good option because they, they won't eat it until it's matured. Right. And then eventually they'll figure out that they can eat it. The farther north you go, the earlier it is. It may get into like September, but where we're at, it hits the most desirable stage for them around like October, mm-hmm. even middle October. And once they figure that out, then you have a grain that you can plant mm-hmm. that is going to make it to the hunting season. Right. Because mm-hmm. even after they figure out they're going to eat the heads off of it, they're not going to eat it when it's uh, in its growing stages, right? Mm-hmm. in the early growing stages, like they will corn. Right. And not only that, uh, also, uh, I don't know, predation and habitat loss has took a really big toll on the quail. And even the rabbit population mm-hmm. around this area. Since we've started doing this, I've noticed a big improvement in rab- rabbit population. Yeah. And, you know, uh, they was hiding in the switchgrass and stuff, but the milo, they can hide in it even better. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, and so that gives them a habitat. And plus the quail... You know, any seeds and stuff that falls out of the mile head, the quails is going to pick it up. Mm-hmm. And so it's not all just about the deer. Yeah, it's a good wildlife crop. It's, it's just a wildlife crop period. Yep. The and, thing I will say about Milo is you want, and this guy's I've talked to the planet, and from our experience planting it, and your experience planting it way back when, and I don't know how much of this you guys did, but it's a, a definitely good option. You want to have a good pre-emergent with a good residual and plant it shortly after you put the pre-emergent down because once it comes up, there's nothing you can spray Milo with. They don't make a Roundup-ready Milo. So if, or if you're in an area where you don't have a lot of grass issues, you could maybe spray a 2,4-D on it because that won't kill it. But 
do that and plan it on 15 intros because we've done both where we plan it on 15s and 30s. And really, it's meant to be planted on 15s. But, like, if you have a two-row planter like what I got, it's 30-inch rows. So if you were just thinking, you know, just go plant it without coming in between them, I would recommend putting it on 15 because that's going to shade out some of your competition as well uh, from the weeds and grasses. So that'll help as well. That's the that's the biggest downfall, in my opinion, to the Milo is it's hard to control grasses in it, but it can be avoided. And if you do have some grass in it, it's like we say all the time, just remember you're not doing it to harvest. As long as you got that crop where it's growing up and the grass isn't choking it out, you're still going to have the benefit of having it there. It's just going to be that much thicker, really, when you're talking about cover. Right. And uh, I think, no, I may be wrong, but I think at one time they was trying to come out for Roundup Ready Milo, but it was really, really, really pricey. Yeah. I remember when we grew it as a farm crop, uh, Dad come up with a concoction, and I wish I had wrote it down yeah but he had come up with a concoction of chemicals that he had mm-hmm. uh the uh, custom sprayers over here ag place spray force and man it was some of the cleanest milo around you know it right was, it was just strictly milo yeah but you ain't got no hair jeff <laughs> <laughs> no i don't but what does that have to do with milo uh, might have something to do with all that concoction. Well, it might have. <laughs> it could be genetic. Uh, and that could be part of it, too. It's a farmer eating. Yeah. yeah. Or it could be just be stress. <laughs> yeah. Surely but, but it did work. But it worked. I I'd mean, never heard of that. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't have no weeds or grass in it at all. Huh. But, and... That was mostly a pre-emergent that he sprayed before the mm-hmm. before the Milo came up itself. Yep. And like I said, I, if if I knew then that we'd be doing this now, yeah. right? Well, you know, well then I I would have gotten that information recipe down, that recipe. Yeah. Well, before we turn this into a Milo podcast, because we could probably talk about grains and stuff forever. Right. But I, you know, I'm just no. Yeah, that's fine. I just want to get to uh, Nate what you got. And if anything, if you've started on anything yet, because I know we talked about your plans for doing big, I can't even ask it because I know the answer. Big plans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we talked about hinge cutting and burning stuff. and <laughs> Big plans. And how's that going for you? Minimal progress. Mm. Um, what seems to be the problem? Uh, you ain't got no farmer in you? <laughs> nope. Technically, that's what I'm doing. Technically. Uh, cutting been, down trees nah, is that what you're been, getting at i don't mean to laugh at you that much i just couldn't even I just, it's the truth <laughs> i uh i have uh i have discussed with the appropriate people what all <laughs> yeah. i want to do it is yeah. a go um yeah. gosh i just got to find the time to do it because um, yeah. we have had a few uh what this this right here that we're in has been the third stretch of about two or three days where it's been fit for field work We've had, I think, this is the third stretch where we've mm-hmm. we've had two or three days that the guys could get out in the field, mm-hmm. and now it's raining right now while we're recording yep. this. So anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. when it's been decent, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, when it's been decent at all, which uh, this will have been like a week and a half ago. True, that we're yeah. talking about this. But yeah. anyway, just for everybody it, listening to when kind this of, comes out, hopefully it ain't rained for ten days and yeah. we're just getting all this stuff yeah. done. Right, you know. Which as of right now, I don't think it's supposed to. Yeah, I hadn't seen anything else. I hadn't seen anything else in the forecast. Yeah. There's some small chances later the in the first. week. But, really? Yeah. Yeah. Doggone. But small chances. Of course, yeah. those will probably more than likely increase before. Grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. but yeah, I, uh, I ain't had any uh, 
ain't had any progress yet. Yeah. Um, I do plan on planting quite a bit of corn. Um, yeah. I got the corn. Um, that was a uh, that was a gift uh, from a gracious individual. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Rim, uh, he got some corn because um, they were just going to get rid of it. So anyway, it was last year what stuff they planted last year. Stuff their seed corn last yeah. year. So it's good stuff. I mean, oh yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, but I want to get uh, uh, the prices right, so I want to get that stuff in the ground if I can at all, you know. Mm-hmm. And then hinge cutting, I really need to get that hinge cutting done. I got to make that wood thicker. Yeah. Um, and it's not going to get any thicker without me doing something. Running out of time to make it thicker for this year. Yep. And it will, I mean, it will still get thicker to a certain extent, yep. but not to the potential um, it could. And it's just going to be more of a pain in the butt mm-hmm. to get in there and do it. Yep. Uh, what I'm going to want to hinge cut, they're all hardwoods. Um, mm-hmm. I do not expect them to hinge cut well. Right. Um, I, uh, we've definitely waited long enough where we don't have to worry, where you're not going to have to worry about the cold temperatures. Correct. Um, like we did little, probably the last time we talked about this yes. in February. Yep. Um, so, uh, they should be leafed out well. So when they do die, I think they will die when they come down, but it, either way, yeah. wh- whatever happens, uh, whether they die or whether they live, um, it's going to increase, uh, my, my ground cover, yep. you know, and your brows uh, by these things being out of the canopy. Yep. Uh, and, and overall that's the goal. Yep. So anyway, uh, if they do die, they're going to have leaves all over them. Um, so they'll hold their leaves and at least give them, uh, you know, uh, uh sideways visual cover, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with all these treetops on the ground at that point. Yep. And then stuff should grow up through them. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, no real progress. I want to get a couple of clover plots redone this spring, and I know I can get that done because they're just quarter acre, half acre little patches. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, still yet, lots of big ideas, no progress. Yeah, that's where we're at on that. Yeah. Hopefully we'll do some video on that too. Yes. So I'd love to get the drone up, um, see what the canopy looks like with all those trees standing, uh, then see what it looks like when all them things are down. Mm-hmm. You know, that'd be uh, I'd be interested. Yep. You can come to my woods and look at that. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it gets yeah. real spotty, don't yeah. it? Yes, it gets very spotty. <laughs> yep. So that's... Uh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add to the, you know, I'm going to put that clover plot in over there in that other property that I hunt. And mm-hmm. I went and sprayed it, maybe two weeks ago, Saturday. Yeah. At least. Yeah, maybe three. Yeah, so it, that stuff should be dying. And, yep. I mean, I asked you, I think me and you's probably going to run over and look at it here in the next day or two, mm-hmm. see what it looks like. And hopefully when it dries up enough, get in there and start turning dirt and, and uh, do some more spraying, you know, after a week or two, and then maybe sell it to Clover and mm-hmm. and uh, let her eat or yep. let them eat. Yep. Move some stands. I got to move a stand over, and I got some other ideas, you know, that I picked up on that uh, probably talk about later on mm-hmm. in the season. But yeah, we'll definitely have time. It's been a good run of guests that we've had on, and we have. Again, we had John today. Uh, Easton was on last week. I thought that was a really good conversation we had with him. And I'm going to try to get some more scheduled. As of right now, when this is being recorded, John is the last one in a stretch of like, it's been seven or eight weeks, I think. And I'd like to continue that. So hopefully we'll have some more good guests coming on. I know I've mentioned in our podcast group, and if you guys listen to the podcast and you're on Facebook and you haven't yet, go to our group for the podcast it's rho podcast patrons because i haven't thought of a better name yet and then that's kind of where we'll 
ask questions for the podcast. I will put some exclusive content on there. I will announce guests that are coming up. So if you have any questions for them, you can ask them on there, and then we can ask them for you on the podcast. All that kind of stuff. Definitely go join that group. But I put some. I think one of the last things I put on there was asking what guests you guys would want to hear from, and if anybody listening has somebody that they'd want to hear from or in mind that whether it's you know a big name or whether it's somebody maybe you haven't heard of all that much like. Like, even though people know Grandpa Ray Outdoors, they may not know John O'Brien as the guy behind it. So, but he, again, he's a great guest. Luke Oswald from a Publicly Challenged podcast, great guest. Like, guys like that. Or whether it's, you know, like the Forrest Bonins of Drury Outdoors, those guys of the world, or the Easton Holder of Raised Hunting. If you guys got someone you want to listen to. The Nate Burgess of Orchardville. Yeah, I mean, Kansas. basically, Kansas. that doesn't get any bigger than that. Kansas. Orchardville, Kansas. Yes. Right. If you got anybody that you want to hear from, and you'd like to see on the podcast, let us know, and I'll at least reach out to them. So you can do that, again, through the Facebook group or through any of our social media or even through our website or our email or any of that. Uh, there's an idea sparking here. I, okay, I this see, is I dangerous. See the smoke coming out of Jeff's ears. An Illinois native, Stan Potts. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put him on the list. All right. Put him on the list. <laughs> thought I seen some smoking you over there. seen him smoking. Yep. But we'll – Try to, I'll try to line up more guests because I really enjoy talking to people and I learn just as much from them as I think probably anybody listening does. And we have a lot of fun talking to them, hearing stories like like the hog hunting story from Luke. That was that was great. one of the best ones we've had on the podcast, in my opinion. So if you guys haven't, definitely go back and listen to the Luke Oswald podcast uh, where we talked to him about foraging and hunting and spearing hogs and all that. But uh, unless anybody else has anything for tonight. I'm or... about to get speared over here, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll let you guys do that off air. Uh, yeah, that's, what is that, like the fourth joke now? Uh, at least. <laughs> Maybe more than that. We're going to have to keep a counter on those. I'll have to come up with a sound on the soundboard for those. It'd be something let's, like. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't need to see that. Uh, so, Nate keeps waving his rod at me. I don't know what's going on. If you guys want to support the podcast, again, we appreciate you all tuning in every week, the ones that do, and the new ones, we appreciate you guys too. That's that's one way, easy way to support us, to just keep tuning in. Hopefully it's enjoyable for you guys. You're learning something and having a lot of fun with us. But other ways you guys can support, be sure to check out what Rodney Hawkins has going on. Not only is he a farm... Uh, excuse me, a land specialist with Midwest Farm and Land, but he's also got RG Outdoors that he just recently opened. Uh, now, with Midwest Farm and Land, if you guys don't know a lot about them, they're not an average real estate company. In 2022 alone, they sold over $85 million worth of ground. They've got agents like Rodney all over Illinois. They're really a local company with a national reach. For more info on them, anything they got, if you want to list property, if you're looking for property to buy, if you just have questions on the market or where it's at, uh, kind of get the ball rolling on what you're looking for, call Rodney directly at 618-925-3153. He'll get you taken care of. As I mentioned, he's also started RG Outdoors. They've currently got hardened soft-sided blinds and blind chairs all from Radix Blinds. In addition to an all-natural scent elimination product called Camo Dust, they now have burner self-defense weapons and Tacticam trail cameras. He's adding stuff all the time. So if you want to check any of that stuff out, or keep up with all the new stuff that they're going to have, you can check out their Facebook page, RG Outdoors. You can email them at rgoutdoors at yahoo.com, or again, just call Rodney directly at 618-925-3153. You heard us talk to John tonight, again, from Grandpa Re Outdoors. If you want 
to support us and try out some of their products and support your deer herd with some of the best seed that's on the market. Are there others that are good? I'm sure there are, but we've been using Grandpa Ray's for at least a couple years now, and I don't see any reason to change. So if you guys want to try them out, go to GrandpaRayOutdoors.com and use our discount code RHOPODCAST. That's all lowercase, no space, and you'll get 5% off your order there. Again, check out our website, RidgeHunterOutdoors.com. Anything you see on there that you want, use the discount code RHOPOD to get 10% off. That's all caps, RHOPOD, and you get 10% off there. On our social media pages, we're Ridge Hunter Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram. Those are the ones we use the most often. The Facebook group that I mentioned, again, is RHO Podcast Patrons. That'll get you some exclusive content, questions, and stuff like that. And then follow us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, subscribe to the YouTube channel, like and comment on any of the videos on there. All that stuff helps out as well. You don't even have to spend any money to do it. I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but that helps in the algorithms and whatnot. So appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you again on the next one. Hopefully you're tuning in this Friday for another episode of Full Draw Friday. If not, we'll see you next Monday. Thanks, everybody.